0: Lovely to hear the hymns being played, and if you know the words of them, some of them you will have known, well, you're able to echo those words in your heart as the instruments have been playing. It's a joy to hear that. We're going to start our service with number 262, Oh, What a Savior That He Died for Me. Let's stand, please. <music> Let's unite our hearts, please, in prayer, taking a moment just to still ourselves before the Lord and come with thanksgiving in our heart for another service, another opportunity of coming to worship Him. We pray that His Word will rest in our hearts. Father, tonight we rejoice again. We are found on a Lord's Day evening in Your house. And this, Father, is a mighty privilege We're thankful for the grace that's given to us, whatever measure of health and strength we have. And Lord, we do not want to take these things for granted in any way. We acknowledge today that our standing in Christ is not because of anything that we have done, Father. We know that we have been washed from our sin by the precious blood of our Lord Jesus, And tonight, once more, we lift a volley of thanksgiving. We lift our hearts of praise. And Lord, we're thankful for every mercy, every blessing that we have so freely received. And they are abundant things to us, Lord. We know we don't deserve any of them, but to us has been given the very greatest. And so this very evening, Father, We come to give our praise and our worship, the thanksgiving of our souls. And Lord, we know that what we are enabled to do here and now in time, it is but a precursor of eternity. For Lord, however and whatever will be our existence in glory, we know it will be to worship our God with all our minds, our souls, our hearts, our being. And Father, we we are thankful for the anticipation, the joy that is in front of us. And We pray that whatever days you give us here on earth, we may live out and out for the Savior, that our hearts will be in tune, walking in fellowship, that we will not be at odds in any way with the will of our Father, Lord, that you will lead us and show us the way which we are to go and we will not kick against it. We will not resist in any way. Ah, Lord, subdue our wandering wills. Subdue our hearts that so often seem to run astray. Lord, keep the cables of divine providence firmly around us, Ah, Lord, that we will walk and follow our Lord Jesus with all our hearts. Remember again tonight those who are in very great need physically. We remember Calvin Golliher again tonight. Lord, put your hand upon him. Remember, we pray those who are grieving the loss of loved ones. We pray, dear Father, for other sick ones in our fellowship pour out Your grace upon them. May they know in the hour of their need the Holy Spirit very, very close to them, the Savior standing by them, helping them, supporting, encouraging. And Lord, help us to do our part and to be those encouragers of the believers. Father, we are called to rejoice with those that rejoice and to weep with those that weep. Give us a compassionate heart, we pray. Let us not be callous or just going on about our duties and our business, not thinking of others. Dear Lord, fill us, we pray, with a spirit of divine compassion and a love that we have received so abundantly that we will share that love with others. Help us to be soul winners, we pray. Lead us this very week, uh, to some souls to witness to people that we will meet maybe unexpectedly unplanned, and yet, Father, as you bring them across our door, across our our pathway, that we will have a ready word for them. We'll be ready to give an answer to everyone that asks us a reason of the hope that is in us with meekness and with fear and joy and thanksgiving. And so our Father, Bless us now tonight in our service. Remember all of our sister congregations. We especially pray for those that do not have full-time pastors. They would be strengthened. You would lead people, the men, to the right, those right places at the right time. Lord, we look forward to our upcoming ministers' week of prayer and presbytery in Greenville in May. Lord, go in front of us in all the details and all the business of the presbytery. We're asking, Lord, for your mind and direction and help, and that every church would know blessing from heaven, blessing with the raising up of deacons and elders, the raising up of new members in the churches, those that will come to Christ, those who will be baptized, and going on to serve the Master in whatever capacity, in however, Lord, that you lead. But Let the church of Christ be growing and flourishing and prospering in our day. Let not the devil have the upper hand, Lord, we pray, but rebuke the devourer, the evil one. Lord, we're thinking of the increase of crime in our own community, and we pray again for the fear of God to descend upon this place. And those who have wicked and evil intentions, Lord, you will arrest them and stop them in their very tracks. Save their souls, Lord. And Father, if they're not to be saved, then remove them so that they cannot cause havoc and terror in our society. Lord, may there be a great awakening, a reviving of true faith, and a rebuking of false religion. Oh God, hear our prayer today and make use of us, Lord, to be witnesses in this time. It seems, Lord, as we look around, we are, are we in the last of the last days? Iniquity is abounding on every hand. The mystery of lawlessness is on the increase. There are wars in almost every area of the world, the globe. And, oh, God, we pray for your church, for those that are being persecuted for righteousness' sake. Set a very high wall around them. And, Lord, protect them and bless them and help them to be a light in a dark place. And, Father, we are asking for that same wall of protection around our ministry and around our school. Lord, we pray for Whitfield that you would ever protect and bless, save our students, we ask. Pour out your protection and blessing upon our staff members, upon our parents and students. And, Lord, may this institution continue to be a light to shine in this dark day. Lord, we know that this is a ministry that you have entrusted us with and we want to take that seriously and therefore help us to be earnest in prayer for this particular ministry you've given to us. Ah, dear Lord, bless us now tonight as we continue in our praise In our thanksgiving and worship, open the Scriptures to our hearts, we pray. We ask all these things in our Savior's worthy and precious name. Amen. Let's sing again, please, to the Lord's Honor, number 304. 304, standing to sing. Think for a moment of these words, then doubt not thy welcome, since God has declared, there remaineth no more to be done. At once in the end of the world he appeared and completed the work he had begun, look and live. A hymn of this nature, well, there is so much in here, it's really good to meditate upon these words as they bring out so many teachings of the scripture and so much truth for us to take into our heart it is good for us to dwell much on them And the final verse says but take with rejoicing from Jesus at once the life everlasting he gives and know with assurance thou never can die since Jesus thy righteousness lives this final verse Turn, please, to the book of Hebrews chapter 4, our congregational reading tonight, Hebrews chapter 4. We're reading from verse 12 to the end of the chapter, just these few verses. For the Word of God is quick. That means it's alive and it is powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight but all things are naked and opened under the eyes of Him with whom we have to do. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of our need. The Lord Jesus is our great high priest. We have had The record of many high priests that have been in the Old Testament from Aaron at the very beginning and those that followed after him. And each one of those high priests, well, before they could go into the holy place, the holiest of all, they had to first make atonement for their own sin. And then they could make atonement for the sin of the people. Well, their priesthood is now out of business the sign over the door is closed no longer. For when the Lord Jesus came, He fulfilled all of those Old Testament types and shadows. He fulfilled all of the task that they were looking and pointing forward to because He is indeed is our great High Priest. And so we can be very thankful for that tonight because of that truth we are able to come then into His presence not as beggars, but as His children. We are able to come not with fear and trembling because the Old Testament high priest dare not go in past that second curtain into where the Ark of the Covenant was if he was not with the blood once a year or he would have been struck dead. And yet now, you and I, We are able to come into the presence of God at any time, day, night, any time of the year. There is nothing and no one that can forbid us to come because we have a great high priest that has gone in front of us. He has gone before us. And we can be thankful for that tonight. It's a great blessing for us. Never let the devil whisper in your ear, you're not worthy to come. Never listen to those guilty statements that he would make of us. Because there is no more condemnation to the child of God, we are free. Our sins have been washed away, and now we have the boldness and the access to approach unto Him freely. Our great High Priest has caused for us to have much rejoicing in Him tonight. Welcome to our evening service. We're very happy that you're here with us in person, and also if you've joined us online tonight, and I encourage you please to remember Calvin Golliher in prayer. He is the son of Reverend Ian Gallagher, And our brother Gallagher, Ian is going to be with us next Lord's Day preaching the word morning and evening. But uh, he was some time with his wife Beulah down in California uh, with their son and family when they heard that his son had been diagnosed with a, a very serious and aggressive form of, of cancer, a tumor on his lung. Well, that surgery has taken place now last Monday here in Toronto, actually, and uh, he is, uh, Calvin's recovering now in hospital, and as uh, far as the surgeons are concerned, the, it was a success. Well, the thing is that people have been praying, many people around the world had been praying for Calvin, and so we thank God for his hand upon him, and please continue Uh, to remember him and other sick ones in our congregation we name them regularly and we hold them up earnestly before god in prayer that the lord would bless them a couple of weeks ago our brother ken osborne had surgery and uh, he was back with us about a week later and uh, with us now tonight and we're thankful about that and i just want to read out this note from our brother he said dear brothers and sisters in christ i'm writing to thank you for your prayers Over these past few months, as I've experienced several health issues, to know that you've been praying for me and your welcoming smiles when I've returned to the church have meant so much to me. Please continue to pray as I continue to heal. May the Lord bless you all in your endeavors for Him. Ken Osborne. Well, it's a good thing when we remember each other in the time of our need Rejoicing, as I mentioned this morning, with those that rejoice, and also weeping and knowing sympathy and empathy for those that are going through their difficult times. Remember, please, the important ministries going on in the rest of this week. Uh, tomorrow, I have the opportunity of going again to the Garden Terrace. Our sister, Jacintha McGovern, that's where she lives. And uh, have an opportunity of bringing a devotional there once a month. Has been going on from just before Christmas time, and so do pray for that tomorrow at eleven, and then at twelve I will be bringing the devotional message for the sermon audio. Uh, prayer times they have every day. They meet at twelve noon uh, for prayer, and so I've been invited to speak there. So remember, please in prayer, and then Tuesday evening our session and board will meet. At six and seven thirty, and then our uh, weekly prayer meeting and Bible study Wednesday at seven thirty. Next Lord's Day, our Bible classes at nine forty-five. Morning and evening services at the regular time, eleven and six thirty. I've already mentioned Brother Gallagher will be uh, preaching next Lord's Day. Let me remind you about our new well, I should say our new, our refurbished or reopened church library, and that is a library where you're able to withdraw books from, and it's upstairs right beside our boardroom, and there is sign-out instructions there, and if you would like after any of our services or after the prayer meeting Wednesday night to come and just peruse there, a good, there's a mine of wealth there in that library, and we encourage you to make access and use of it as you're able to do several weeks ago we put up some wallpaper behind here and you'll notice it uh, behind me as we've just been experimenting and trying uh, to decide what is the best thing to do uh, to just improve and make some good necessary refurbishments of the Lord's house well we also got a brick here and you can see I put this on the wall here just to give you an idea And there's a sample here as well. This is a slightly different color. That one there is a bit lighter. I didn't put that one up, but you can tell us whether you think it looks nice or not. We want to get this done as quickly as we can. Let's continue, please, in our worship of the Lord, singing number 140. 140. And we'll stand again as we sing. Well, tonight. Well, I shouldn't just say tonight. You sing well uh, most of the time, and it's good to lift our thanksgiving and our worship to the Lord in our praise. Please turn in your Bibles now to the book of Lamentations, uh, the opening chapter. Uh, Lamentations is the book immediately following the prophecy of Jeremiah going to read from verse 8 tonight. We read the entire chapter this morning. For those of you who are not with us in the morning service, we're looking at simply a two-part message that's based on verse 12 of chapter 1. We'll give you a little more background and reviewing of that uh, later. Let's read, please, from verse number 8. It says, Jerusalem hath grievously sinned, and therefore she is removed. And all that honored her despise her, because they have seen her nakedness. Yea, she sigheth and turneth backward. Her filthiness is in her skirts, she remembereth not her last end. Therefore she came down wonderfully. She had no comforter. O Lord, behold, my affliction, Jeremiah says, For the enemy hath magnified himself. The adversary hath spread out his hand upon all her pleasant things. For he hath she hath seen that the heathen entered into her sanctuary, whom thou didst command that they should not. Enter into thy congregation. All her people sigh. They seek bread. They have given their pleasant things for meat to relieve the soul. See, O Lord, and consider, for I am become vile. Is it nothing to you, all ye that pass by? Behold and see... If there be any sorrow like unto my sorrow, which is done unto me wherewith the Lord hath afflicted me in the day of his fierce wrath. With our Bibles open and our hearts open as well, we'll ask for the Lord's help again tonight. Father, as we take time to Think on this very solemn scripture tonight. We pray that our hearts would be open to it. And I pray, Lord, that you would speak to me. Let me be your faithful messenger. Fill me with the Spirit of God, enabling me to convey the truth so that no one would misunderstand, no one would be confused. Lord, there would be crystal clarity. Father, bring the word home to every believing heart and also, Lord, to those who are without Christ. Save precious, never-dying souls tonight, we ask. Hear this prayer, Lord. Lord, For we pray in the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen. Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, directed by the Spirit of God, he said, Is it nothing to you, all ye that pass by, behold and see if there be any sorrow like unto my sorrow? which is done unto me, wherewith the Lord hath afflicted me in the day of his fierce wrath." The background of the chapter is quite simply that Jerusalem had been given many opportunities of following in the right pathway. Certainly under times of David's rule and Solomon, they had known great heights of blessing During the days of King Hezekiah, when there was a a revival, when he brought the people back again from their ways of apostasy or falling aside, and the Lord blessed the people, and Jerusalem flourished, and all of the nations around them, as David by God's grace had seen them subdued, and there was through Solomon's time great peace, they were the golden years. But as the prophets spoke the word of God faithfully, the people, though ignored, turned away, began to drift off, and they were always looking to the grass that seemed greener in the other nations. And the other nations that seemed to have stuff that they didn't have. And they followed after, amazingly so, gods that were made and manufactured by the hands of people. Idols made of stone, trees, sticks, whatever it was, and it is hard to imagine that they replaced the worship of the living and true God with the worship of that which was made by men's hands, idols that were dumb. They could not speak, they couldn't hear, they couldn't do anything, and yet that was the spirit of the people. And so God, after giving them warning after warning, He said to them, the time Of your captivity has come upon you and so the enemy was allowed to come in like a flood and when the enemy came in and they took the people away captive many of them to Babylon the city was destroyed and it was left burned buildings taken apart the temple completely uh, destroyed The place was in a complete shambles, a ruin. And so as Jeremiah is observing and hearing reports of this, his heart is grieved deeply in his soul because he sees that he is part of the problem in in many respects because he is a man of the people. And yes, he's a prophet of God giving righteous words, but as Daniel also saw himself as part of the problem, as he was associated with the people in their sin. So there was a cry out to the Lord. There's a cry out also to the other people who seemed to not have any sympathy. There did not appear to be any empathy about what had happened to this city that was once ti- a time known for great glory and great advancement. But now it's empty. And all of those so-called lovers that the city had, all those other nations and idols that they had gone after, where were they now? They now turned to mock them. They turned to abuse them. And yet we have in this great lament that the prophet gives, something of a far greater lament because there's something of a far greater magnitude that is seen here in the silhouette, in the relief. In the words that were spoken by the prophet in chapter 1 and verse 12, And these words, can you hear them being spoken by our Lord Jesus? Is it nothing to you, all ye that pass by? Can you look and see and compare the sorrow of the Son of God and the anguish and the grief and the suffering? Is there anything to be compared to that in all of humanity? And the answer is, there is nothing to be compared to this. cannot read such a verse and have a heart that is not moved if we truly are the children of the Lord. Yes, many people will read the book of Jeremiah, Lamentations, and the Bible, and they will read it for historical benefit. They'll read it for critical analysis. They would read over a verse like this and think nothing of it. But then they would read also the account of the crucifixion of Christ and there would not be a thought of a tear, thought of considering exactly what was taking place here. But I trust believers as tonight we think again of the cost of our salvation and it is good to be reminded of that often, we would see the Lord Jesus Christ, the suffering and the anguish, and that we would ourselves, if we are a little bit cold in heart, we would pray, O God, come and breathe upon us, that we would be warmed in our spirit and drawn closer and closer to our Lord. In this morning's message, we thought about beholding the man of sorrows because of the anguish of the Lord Jesus and the fact that he, under such stress and of a broken heart, the evidence of the blood and the water that flowed out from his side after he was speared by that Roman soldier, and how our Lord Jesus was very solitary in that sorrow The suffering he endured throughout his life, the suffering in the Garden of Gethsemane, the suffering alone on the cross. In Luke's Gospel, chapter 24 and verse 44, when he was in the garden and he was sweating, as it were, great drops of blood, the word in the original is agonia, from which we obviously get our word agony. He was in an agony. And that the word means a struggle for victory. A severe wrestling of mind and body. And that anguish we are unable to enter into. The Lord's suffering was a substitutionary one. For he went in my place. And he died the just one for the unjust one. And it was with great rejoicing to us a satisfactory sacrifice that he gave. And so that today all the demands of the law have been met. All of the righteous, holy, and perfect attributes of our Heavenly Father have been satisfied. And all the guilt-ridden soul that we all bore have been taken care of and have gone now because we are not under condemnation. And there is indeed a silencing of all the accusations the devil would bring against us. They are gone underneath the blood. For the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanseth us from all sin. As we continue tonight in the message, I want to think you to think with me on this point of the response of people. The response of people to the cross. How do they view it? How do they see it? How do people understand the importance of it, if they see any importance at all? How do people look at the cross of Christ? How do they view The suffering of the Son of God. You know, as believers, when that question is posed to us, we would almost say the question should be or needs to be reversed Is He not everything to you? To which we would answer Lord, you know all things about us, you know our hearts. You know that though we are weak, we want to give ourselves and our love. We want to give all of heart, soul, mind, and spirit into Your hand. And we can say, Lord, You know all things, and You know that we love You. That's the very thing Peter said, wasn't it? After the Lord questioned him three times, Simon, do You love me? Peter said, Lord, You know everything about me. Yes, you know my failures and my faults. You know my indecisions. You know my fear about witnessing for you. You know everything. And yet deep down, Lord, you know of our love for you. We will say as the hymn writer did, Jesus, the name I love so well. No saint on earth its worth can tell. No heart conceive how dear. Precious to me. Precious is he. Jesus shall ever be precious to me. And so the question when posed to us is a question that we would say, the Lord Jesus is everything to us. But there are many that have a different view of Christ and of His cross. And I suggest tonight that this is a personal question that cannot be avoided. It's a personal question that comes that cannot be avoided. Is it nothing to you, all ye that pass by? You know, when people observe the cross or when they think about it, some people come as those who are scorners, those who are mockers of God and of Christ. The only time that they really use the name of the Lord is by cursing by Him. They care nothing of Christ. They care nothing of religion, nothing of God. It's all a joke to them. Because the whole idea of religion, especially Christianity, is a charade. If there was anything at all to it, it's something that has been so polluted by man's hand upon it, and so they scorn and they mock. They're very much akin to the soldiers that we thought of this morning and we read from Mark's account how that the soldiers and the whole band of them brought the Lord into the praetorium, they were going to have their last shirah over him. And so they put on a purple robe, and they put the crown of thorns on him, and they smote him over the head and drove those thorns deep into his brow, and his blood is now streaming over him. And they mock him, and they hail King of the Jews, and they slap him, and they spit upon him, And the whole crowd of soldiers are there. Christ to them was a joke. He was one that only should be mocked. We have the gods of Rome. We are soldiers of the greatest empire in the world. What do we need of the Jews' religion? What do we need of this Christ? And they jeer and mock and scoff. And so they pass by the cross of Christ as if it was nothing. There are some that pass by the suffering Savior and they are full of their own plans and goals. They are perhaps consumed with pleasures in this life. That's very descriptive of many folks today. They are intoxicated, With self-fulfillment their whole life is living until the weekend working Monday to Friday and living for Friday night for Saturday they can live in their drunken dreams and they can go in their immorality and everything that fills them with joy and pleasure but to suggest the cross of Christ to them it's really an unnecessary distraction at times It seems to be a great obstacle to my joy and my pleasure. And so therefore the idea is, well, let's just set it aside. Who wants to be bothered with that? They find no pleasure in their life unless they totally exclude the Lord Jesus and Him completely from their thoughts. Why? Because Christ has has the way of getting in the road, in the way of my fun. If I have to acknowledge Him, how can I enjoy life? With a dirge of always having to be good, not having any fun. I want the freedom to express myself is their goal as I choose. I don't want any restraint on my life. I don't want to listen to the don'ts. I don't want to listen to the I shouldn't do that. I find the whole idea they would say of the cross and the savior and religion it's all too restrictive and all have none of it and so when they are confronted with the question they pass by it is it nothing to you all you that pass by and they say thank you it is nothing to me and I'll set it aside other people have received the seed of the Word of God in their minds. They've been presented with a gospel message. They've been presented with a cross of Christ. Maybe they heard Bible verses even memorizing them about Calvary, about Christ dying for sinners. And they thought it sounded good to begin with. They came I would say, within reach of the cross. They came very close to it. They almost touched it. They almost laid hold upon that. But then other things came in their life, some distractions. Maybe it was family, maybe higher education, perhaps career ideals, counter views of the Bible and Christianity. And so what's the outcome? Well, they passed by, always thinking maybe that someday I'm going to sort this whole matter out. And so they just keep walking and they pass right by it, but they don't quite touch it. Some have wondered about the sufferings of the Lord, and they have given it a considerable hearing. Hearing but other questions about the probability of rising from the dead. The idea of someone who is truly and really dead coming back to life again, it all sounds a little bit uh, dreamy. It sounds like a fairy tale sort of a thing. And so the miracles and all the things that Jesus was supposed to have done, it can't be scientifically verified. Therefore, it leads them to the conclusion, this is not for me. Is it nothing to you, all you that pass by? No, thank you. It can't be scientifically proven. And I'm a step above this idea of religion stuff. And so, it's not for them. Is it nothing to you? Yet other people, they look at the cross and they make a rubric out of it. They, they break down the details with an evaluation chart and they consider maybe the time of the cross. They will think about the place where it was. They even consider the composition of the cross. What type of wood was it? How did the cross look was it actually a cross like this? Was it a stake single in the going up like a tree? How was it? And they consider the event and indeed Christ Himself as a wonderful teacher, an example. But their investigation, think about it, it centers around the tangibles, around a forensic examination of the details, of the material, and not for the core reason for why the sufferings of the so-called Son of God took place. They view the whole matter of Jesus and the cross as historical and even fascinating in a historical context, but they never get past that. And they never get past that to grasp the issue of coming in repentance and faith and acknowledging that that man without sin died in that place for me. Oh, they just always look at it, and they dissect it, and they consider it. But to them, the Lord Jesus' suffering is really, it doesn't mean so much, and it never really comes home to their own heart. Sadly, in this list, There are those that have made a life study through theology. But in their studies, what happens is that more times than not, questions are raised as they've been evaluating who this Jesus was, when did he live, what was his purpose, and all the theological questionings they come up in their mind And so they seem to be like a dog that chases his tail. They go round and they go round and they go round. And they get themselves more tied up in a knot. And they've got this whole database of doubts. And so they question themselves. And they raise questions for themselves. They raise many questions for other people. And they make out of Christianity an academic pursuit. And if they're going to examine the cross, and if a question like this is put to them, is it nothing to you as you pass by the cross? They'll say, well, we've done our examination. What more do you want? We've looked at it theologically. We've made our catechisms. We've we've done all of that but my dear friends, they've never actually come to taste and see that the Lord is good. They've never received Him into their heart. Theology is very important. Doctrine is of vital importance in our Christian life, but my dear friends, if it only adds up to that in your heart and nothing more than doctrine and this and that, you're missing something And so I say to you tonight with my heart, and I say as Christ would say to you, is the cross, does it mean something more to you than that? It's not just the wood of the cross. It's not wearing a cross around your neck as a piece of gold. There's something of greater intensity and value to what we're talking about because it is there that Christ died for your sin. He died so that you would not be in hell tonight. But still, friend, there are others. They are consumed with their own self-righteousness, not really seeing themselves as sinners of any gravity, and therefore they don't have need of a Savior. To them, Christ came to forgive those who are real sinners. But since I'm not in that category, it really doesn't mean anything to me. And so there are people, you've met them, I think, I know that I have. I talked to a man not that long ago, and uh, I pressed the gospel to him. And then he said, well, I, I believe in God. I believe that Jesus lived. And he said, I, but I'm not a bad person. I'm really not. And he said, I haven't done all that stuff. Well, I've done a few things maybe. And he mentioned a couple of things that he didn't think were too big in the eyes of God. They were monstrous sins. And I said to him, have you broken one of the Ten Commandments? Well, well maybe. But I said, the Bible says if you've broken one, you have smashed them all. They're all broken. And of course, he's broken them all and many times over, but... He never saw himself as a monster of iniquity, as a great sinner before a holy God. And so he goes on in his life and justifies, and then asks the question, well, what about the fact that so many people in the world are suffering? What about the fact that children suffer, or that people, uh, not for any fault of their own, are going through great problems? Like, if there was a God... And of course, then it brings in the whole reality in the mind of that particular person. They say they believe in God, but really, they don't believe in God, or they certainly haven't put any faith in Christ, because they raise questions and questions and more questions. And then they just sit back in their chair and say, "Ah, I'm thankful I'm not such a bad guy after all." And they live in that deception. And so the question posed to them, is it nothing to you as you pass by and behold Christ? And they say, well, you know what? I'm not so bad. He didn't die for me because I'm not a sinner. And there are those people too that they do show a degree of sympathy to the harsh treatment that was doled out upon this man because they would view Christ as kind of a noble figure. They would see Him as one that came to preach as good, righteous, holy, living man. He had good morals. He had good teaching habits. And they seemed to be very magnanimous in their own hearts, and they would defend the right of a person to believe as they would like and to practice what they would like. In other words, Christ was a great model And if you want to follow that model, good for you. You follow him with all your life. But don't try to impose that on me. I'm prepared to step back and observe the whole picture and say, right, you do what you want to do. But don't try to give your Christianity to me because I have my own way of thinking. And you worship God whoever he or she or it is and i'll worship god whoever i think it is too and we'll all end up happily ever after anyways because we're all going in the same direction it's a foggy type of universalism that believes that all people deep down in their hearts virtually are good somewhere or another and we're all going to get there at the end Yet others, they put the whole matter and question off to a more convenient time. They have their life set; they have a career, they have family, they have income, and now they are too busy, with no time to spare. Maybe they would think, when I get a bit older, when everything's all set. I'll consider the whole Christian thing and then I'll get right with God then. But not now. I will do it tomorrow. And for those people, tomorrow never comes as far as their question about Christ is. Is it nothing to you? All ye that pass by This is a critical question, but I say it's also a very pivotal question of life because it affects the soul. And this is where the Lord Jesus said, What shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world and yet loses his own soul? What will a man give in exchange? What are you going to barter your soul for? And it's another one of those same type of questions that there is no answer for it because you can't give anything in exchange for your soul. The question comes tonight, friend, and those listening online, which category do you fit into? As believers, we acknowledge that the Lord Jesus is our Savior. And when we come face to face with the reality of Calvary, And we see in our mind's eye what Christ has done for us. We bow before Him and we acknowledge with our hearts, Lord, we love You for what You've given to us. Friends, time is running out. Our life is like a vapor that appears for a little time and then it vanishes away. The time is going by quickly years are passing like the wind blows and they're gone. And now is the time to turn unto Christ. Now is the time to consider uh, the great sacrifice that He gave to save us from a lost eternity. How many times have you heard the need to repent of your sin? Maybe sometimes you've heard it morning service, evening service, a Sunday school. But maybe, friend, it's time tonight to repent and to get right with God. God's holy law has been broken. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Do not continue in the crowd of those who would mock the Lord, or of those who would politely and respectfully decline the offer and say, thank you so much, but that's not for me. However it appears, or whatever uh, type it comes down the wire in, it is ultimately a rejection of the Lord. What, think ye of Christ, is the question at hand? Is He anything to you? Dear friend, as you pass by the cross, He died there in love. He died there offering the gift of everlasting life. And there will come a day when you will pass by Him and His cross for the last time. Because the Lord said, My spirit will not always strive with man. There is coming a time when we will pass by Him for the last time. Let that not be your case, dear friend, but I pray that you would come to Him and you would repent of your sin. And believer, as we think about our relationship with the Lord and the degrees of maybe coldness of heart or distance from Him, well, it's good for us to come back and say, Lord, renew my spirit Renew my heart. Uh, bring me again to the foot of the cross. That's a good prayer to pray and that we will love the Lord with renewed devotion and, and love to Him. We might abide under the shadow of the Almighty and know His joy and know His peace in our hearts. Ah, yes. When we think about these scriptures and a verse like this, Ah, they are so precious to us. Friend, I warn you tonight by the grace and by the authority of God's truth, do not pass by the cross of Christ for you may pass by Him for the last time and then you will stand before God and we will all have to give an account before Him of our soul, of our life of what we have done, of how we have lived. We don't want to be empty-handed in that day. We want to come clothed in the righteousness of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's bow, please, in prayer. Our Father, we pray tonight that you would take this Scripture, Lord, and write it on all our hearts. Blessed Holy Spirit, take the Word and awaken sinful, unsaved hearts. Lord, hear this prayer tonight, asking in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's close our service by singing 298. Have you been to Jesus for the cleansing power Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? We'll stand to sing. Father, we pray that the truth of this hymn we're singing and the Scriptures that we have read and thought about today, Lord, you would work deeply in every unbelieving heart and work also, Lord, in every one of our own souls who know Christ. Lord, part us now in your fear and with your great and abiding presence And may we know the joy and the peace of fellowship moment by moment with our Savior until we meet again or as we meet and gather around the marriage supper of the Lamb in glory. Father, whatever it be, whether we are taken in death or our Savior comes back again, we know that we will be forever with the Lord. Amen. So, Let it be. Hear us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.